Hi, and welcome to Read Up, the podcast that discusses books intellectually and stuff. I'm Tim, and normally I'm alone, but today I have a guest star appearance, Scott from the Suicide Squadcast. How are you today, Scott? I'm very good, Tim. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure to have you. Scott, today we are going to be talking about Frank Herbert's Dune. Have you read it? I know you have. It's a rhetorical question. Um, <laughs> you know what rhetorical means because you read books. Yes, I do. And if I hadn't read it, this would have been a very awkward podcast. Wouldn't have been like, Scott, where are you talking about Dune? And you're like, oh, no, I didn't read that. Shoot. I thought we were talking about Don Quixote. Windmills, anyone? No? All right. See you later. Trots out on horse. Yeah. So so we're going to be talking about, let's talk about Dune. So you had never, this is your first time, you had this. You just finished it a few days ago as recording this podcast, and you you had not read it before. Is it something that you always wanted to read? Yeah, it was, I... I, I'm such a nerd that when I was in like elementary school, I was part of a science fiction book club that would meet in like the back room of my local library. Nice. It was like, it was like uh, fathers and sons from my Boy Scout troop that we would like read science fiction novels. And so I've been aware of Dune for a while. My dad was actually a very big fan of the movie that came out in 1984. Mm. And so I, and I, and I saw the movie all the way back then. Cause that was what my dad would do. He was like, I love this movie. You're going to watch it. And so as a giant sci-fi fan, it's always been this book sitting on my shelf going, why haven't I read this yet? So between my personal shame of not reading the book and the, and the hype that's building for this new film adaptation coming out in 2020, I was just like, damn it, now's the time to read this book. Right. That's, that's, pretty, much, that's pretty much my lineup too. Like I've had it for a while. And it's been staring me in the face, and I go, it's not even that big. Why have I not? Why have I not read this book? And and it was really when principal photography started on Dune, the movie, Denny Villeneuve's um, adaptation of of the novel. I was like, you know what? This is a novel that I definitely would want to read before the movie comes out, and because it's and because it's an important piece of science fiction that I just, I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to do it. And so if you had to give Dune a rating out of five, what what are you rating it? Five. You're rating it a five, a complete five. Perfect. I'm rating a complete five because this book this book spoke to me. Like mm. this is the this is the kind of stuff I I eat up. So like I I read this book, I think it took me like two weeks to read it, and that was only because it was like the last week before spring break and life gets crazy. But as soon as spring break hit, I read like 300 pages in like three days. Like I just couldn't stop reading it. That is – that's a lot of pages. Okay, so if I had to guess things that make Scott giddy in terms of science fiction, here we go. Okay. Uh, class structures. Yes. A classic hero's journey. Oh, absolutely. Um, giant empires. It, it actually yes I wow I didn't even think, I'm learning things about myself that's good see uh, and then I would say finally cool like interesting Terra like interesting planets or um, fauna or animals or something like that not necessarily I actually would say that the last part that that maybe that would be a piece of it mm. but not the thing itself is world building. It's really that world building component. It, right. It's the fact that I'm reading a book that I just go, 
like the author just dumps you in the middle of the world and it's fully fleshed out, but we're not going to explain this to you. Like you just you're going to figure this out as it goes on. Like because this world's already there. I it, 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 yeah. It's that in medias ray part that just makes me go, wow. Yeah. No, that's a good point, and I think that that Dune. Dune certainly, certainly does that because you spent. I spent, I would say, probably the first fifth of the book going, "What the? Who are these people? Why do I care about these people? I shouldn't, but I kind of do, but I kind of don't all at the same time." And kind of like Tolkien, it doesn't really bother to stop and explain things to you. Like, if you don't know, you have to catch up. Like, The Hobbit, if you're talking about Tolkien, The Hobbit explains things to you. You know, like, there once was a hole in the ground and lived a hobbit. You know, like, so on and so on and so on. It explains to you what hobbits are and why you need to care. Um, but if you read Lord of the Rings, they're like, oh, by the way, this is Bilbo. He went on an adventure. And if you didn't read The Hobbit, you have no idea what, what he's talking about. But it doesn't matter. Dune is kind of like that. This is the Atreides family. This is the Lady Jessica. She's a big deal. I don't care if you know why or not. She just is. So get over it. Right. And like and the whole you're being introduced to an entire society and you just got to pick up context as, as you read. Like you're still discovering things by the time by the time you get to the last 30 pages of the book, you're still picking up on context that you probably wanted on page one mm-hmm. because it's just you're just supposed to go with it. And those kind of books, I'm willing to go with. You know, it, you know when people talk about, oh, it's a slow start, or wow, there was all this. I was like, and, and for me, it's like I don't care. This is just th- these are cool concepts. This world, he, I mean, w- books that like introduce slang. That like this book has a dictionary in the back, mm-hmm. and and I didn't even bother to look at it because I just love figuring out what the words mean by the way they're being used. It's it's this kind of this kind of science fiction teaching just, your students context clues. Da-na-na-na. Yeah. You better you better believe it, but it's just I like that. I don't like things being explained to me. I like just present it to me and write it well enough that I can figure it out. That's that's sort of my jam. Yes, I hmm I do like that, and I don't like that. And this is where I got hung up on Dune a little bit. I gave it a 4 out of 5. Um, I, it suffered for me. This is personally, just for me, you hear for years, like, one of the greatest science fictions of all time. It's just the Nebula Award winner. It's so amazing, blah, blah, blah. So, it, like, it has so much baggage with it in the first place that I, it's, like, it's hard to it's it's hard to remove all of that from sitting down and so i um it's one of those books that like i read and i finished and i was like or in this case i listened to it i finished and i was like wow that was quite good i'm sure i'm going to love it later but for right now i just really like it let me ask you something mm-hmm. had you seen the david lynch film i have not seen the david lynch film this okay. Is, so I didn't really. The only thing I really knew about Dune going in is that it's a desert planet. I didn't even know that Dune wasn't the name of the planet. Like that, you know, we're we're on a, like Arrakis is the real name, which is a very cool name, by the way. Great title, um, great planet name, and I, I didn't, I didn't know it was a classic hero's journey. I didn't know about like destinies or you know. I knew about the sandworms. That was probably the only other thing about Dune that I actually knew. 
sandworms. Okay, see, for me, I get, and maybe this, maybe this was an unfair advantage, or it just gave me a different perspective going in because I grew up on the movie thanks to my dad, right? And I'd always heard reactions to the film going, "It's a cool film, but it's not the book." You know, it. You know, and and we're not just talking about the book is better. I mean, as in. The book doesn't even scrape the, – the movie doesn't even scrape the surface of what's in the book. And so I hadn't seen the movie in probably like 10, 15, 20 years. It's, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting reading the book and just going, wow. There's like – the movie was the tip of the iceberg and then the book was like the iceberg. So, so in terms of since you since you've now read the book and you've seen this film adaptation, is is the David Lynch film accurate? That's a that's a no from Scott. I I know I would say it's like asking one of your students what's the book about. And then they give you like a sentence. Sure. Well, that's the that's what I thought when I was when I was reading this book. When I was, I'm going to refer to it as reading because I was listening to this book. It's reading. It's, go it's, go. It's, I, don't judge. It works the same part of the brain. It's okay. Um, when um when I when I was reading the book, I was think I was like, okay, it's a little slow to start. You get some political maneuvering going on. This is interesting. You know, it's that. Behind-the-scene politics that's very in right now, and so I can see all that. And then, but it takes a little while to get rolling, and then a lot of stuff happens, and then it kind of slows down and does to go back to the Hobbit. It does this thing like, oh, and also battles and stuff happened. They're over there. Yeah, they're over there. (laughs) We're not gonna. It happened, but this is what we're focusing. It kind of reminded yeah. me of Narnia. If you've read *Lion Witch in the Wardrobe*, of where, course I've read *Lion right, Witch*. Right, which the they're Wardrobe. like, we got it. We're going on a battle against the witch, and then and then and then you flip the page and like, wow, what a battle that was! Woo, covered that. Woo, that was that was tough. Sweating that one out. Good thing we won. High fives, everyone. We're going home, but not really, not yet. That's kind of what it. It's kind of what it reminded me of, and I didn't dislike that because. I am not incredibly interested in the battle itself. Sometimes I'm more interested. I, I, I'm more interested in characters than I am in big sweeping moments. So, like my favorite moments of, let's say, if you're if you're watching, um, if you're watching Return of the Jedi or something like that, there's a there's three different fights going on at the same time. At the end, there's a fight on Endor. There's a fight above Endor in space, and there's Luke with the Emperor and Darth Vader. The only fight I actually care about at that moment. Is Luke, Darth Vader, and the Emperor because I care Same. more. I care Same. right because I because if you don't care about your character, if you don't care about a character, then you don't care about the rest of the story. Doesn't matter. Well, and I think another thing that I particularly found terribly intriguing was how every chapter, as part of this world building, every chapter begins with an excerpt from some fictional work that. It, it, it's it's like there's this world out there where all these books have been have been written about Paul, and they're in the future. So you're getting a snippet of something that's probably fifty, hundred years later. But then you're re, but then you're experiencing the real story that leads to those books. Mm-hmm. So yes. which I think gave me a different perspective since I actually read a physical copy of the book rather than. 
listening to it because the way it was positioned on print, it was kind of cool at these little epigrams at the beginning of every chapter. And I liked that. I liked the idea of there being fictional literature inside of the literature. Oh, I always love that. I love a good piece of metafiction. I don't care like what direction that it takes itself in, but I love a good piece of metafiction. The here's the the audiobook has it's 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 an unabridged version of Dune, but it has different it it has different actors for different voice characters and they have an overall narrator, which is yes, I love that because they did that with all the Enderverse books. Oh uh, yeah, it's did wonderful. They? No, I thought the end. I thought Ender's Game was one narrator. Was was it different people? No, they it do. It was a full... different people. I'm having a whole revelation because I listened to all of those. Man, Ender's Game is great. I don't love the other ones. Ender's Speaker of the Dead's okay. Well, um, when I found okay, a total off topic, but when you get into the Bean books, those are oh yeah, I no, I read all of those. Oh yeah, yeah, I read all of them. I think Ender's Game is still the best. Sometimes it's hard to beat the first one. Period. But period. But who's to, who's to say? So uh, going back to going back to do so this audiobook. So you, so they had a narrator for the the excerpts from the like. The Book of Atreides, or you know, whatever the the Book of Moab, Arrakis Awakening, or, yeah, and, the Book you know, of Moadib, or you know, all these different, all of those, you know, all of those different books. They had a narrator for all of those, which was pretty cool. And that I actually loved particularly because you think that they're random, but they they still even tie into like they start randomly, and then by the end they really tie together. I like how it it's almost like looking somebody who's like crazed. You know, like it's like the question where you have like, and then they're controlling our minds with boy bands, you know, and then they, you know, they have all these co- interconnected webs and then there's attack in the middle. It's kind of like that. You have all these, what seems to be disconnected pieces that all come together. I would say pretty well, if not really well at the end. Well, and also, um, especially if you go and read like Lord of the Rings, how this book has like four appendices at mm-hmm. the end, which I absolutely loved. And I, they're called appendices, but you kind of do have to read them because it, it like backfills stuff. Like it informs things that were in the book, like the whole idea of this great uh, nomad culture, the Fremen, and the way that they have this sort of prophecy of Arrakis no longer being a desert planet. Like we're going to we're going to terraform this planet ourselves. And I, that kind of stuff was just, and, and the whole discussion of what religion has become in the year 10,000 something. And that kind of stuff was, uh, when you talk about like the metafiction and the world building, like that's the stuff that just has me like drooling as I'm reading, like, this is so amazing that someone thought all of this out. It's really it, any, any book, whether it's good or bad, if the author takes enough time to really world build and you can, it feels lived in. That alone, like, deserves a three out of five stars because that is not easy. You no, know? no, because there's enough people who don't do that. Exactly. I've I, I've read those books exactly, exactly. Well, let's talk about the themes of some of the themes of Dune. You know, you have this idea of you know um, collapsing empires, right? In you know dueling families. And, you know, how 
dynasties shift and and change and what that does to and what that does to people and the consequences of like the one percent on the ninety nine percent right yeah well and there's also the idea of of messiahs and especially since the sequel of this book is called the first sequel of this book is called Dune Messiah. Mm-hmm. I mean that's what Paul is. He he's a chosen one. He's a messiah, he's a savior figure. But he wasn't just he, but it was all contrived. And it's like him realizing it's contrived and then trying to upend the system that contrived his existence. And I, I thought the the use of religion and the control religion has on the masses and different sects of religions coming into uh, into conflict. And then when you have the Messiah character himself going, I don't want to fulfill the plan that I was bred for. I want my I want I want to take control and do my plan. Mm-hmm. No, that's and, good. It, and it made Paul such an interesting character, especially if you realize that he's 15 for most of the book. Right. And I think that it it's you can see, especially that section like this Messiah figure or, you know, or the, your main character being a kid. You can see where you can see where Dune influenced George Lucas, like incredibly. Oh. Like here's your desert planet. Here's your 15 year old kid who's the hero figure, um, and he up like he upends the system in a way you wouldn't expect. And blah blah blah. He has these magic powers. Like the lady Jessica and um, I cannot remember because I read it. It's been a couple weeks now since I've I've read it. What group does the lady Jessica? Um, the the Benay. Grizzit, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the Benny, the, the, science, the Benny Gesserit. Yeah, Benny Gesserit, yes. That sort of weird, yeah. this sort of nut. This, it's almost like a, an evil Illuminati nun organization. Yeah, which is know. a in of itself a super, like, a super cool concept that I want to know more about them because that's, that's very cool. But it kind of reminded me in some ways of the Jedi, you know, like this, we have these special powers and we have these training systems and we have, you know, like you can, you can see the, you can see where people have taken bits of Dune for their own, for their own purposes. Because, you know, if you're talking Star Wars, it's a real pastiche, right? You know, he's, it's, George Lucas takes bits of everything and merges it all together and then his aha, I've given you things you love. Here you go. Like Batman. Batman's a pastiche of all these different characters kind of merge into one. Aha, here you go. I give you this thing that you love. And it's something like, and I think that Dune deserves respect because you don't get a lot of the things you love in modern science fiction without Dune. Like you don't get things you love in modern fantasy without Lord of the Rings. You can't have Game of Thrones without Lord of the Rings. It's just not possible. Well, and actually Arthur C. Clarke, if you want to talk about the sci-fi writer, classic sci-fi writers who have given this book props over the years, I mean, one of the editions of Dune that I own, uh, actually, Arthur C. Clarke says the only thing comparable to Dune is Lord of the Rings. Is Lord like of the he, Rings, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think I actually have – I'm looking at it right. Unique in the depth of its characterization and extraordinary detail of the world it creates, I know nothing comparable to it except the Lord of the Rings. Arthur C. And I'm Clark. sorry. This is the guy who wrote 2001: A Space Odyssey. Right. I'm just, I'm just like, dude, 
Yes. I mean, there's also another quote on another edition I have. Robert Heinlein. I mean, it's like these these are names that are like these are guys I have read. Oh, do, are you are you holding the copy that's kind of Art Deco and I think I, Paul's walking into the dunes and it says Dune and a vertical line. Uh, because that's the, no. that's the edition I'm holding and it's the same exact stuff on the back. Yeah, well, the ones I have, I actually got a complete hardcover set of all of Frank Herbert's Dune books from the Science Fiction Book Club. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I have this nice five-volume collection because they take book two and book three and publish it in one volume because the second book is really short. And so, yeah, I, I, I ordered like a five-book set. And so they've just been staring at me because I, I like the fact that all five books like match. That it's, it's one of those nerd things. If you're going to give me a series, I want all the books to look the same on the shelf. Oh, I understand. I'll tell you a story off mic. No, just kidding. I'll tell you on mic. So I've been currently, speaking of, you know, sci-fi and everything i've been reading the thrawn trilogy you know the, the <gasps> timothy zahn trilogy i'm almost done with the last command which is the third one so scott if you want to come back and, and talk about all three of the thrawn trilogy books on the read up podcast you are more than welcome to do so 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 long story short i i have i jedi which is a standalone and i have the jedi academy books except i only have champions of the force and i don't have the first two and I was like, oh, I got to get the first two so I can read them. The first copy, the what a, a Jedi Search, was $63 on Amazon for a paperback because it doesn't exist on its own. But you can get, but you can get the, you can get like the, the latest editions where they have the Legends banner written across in a box set for 20 bucks. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get all the ones that match. Who cares if I have two copies of Champions of the Force? I'll give it away. Yeah, I love the fact that you're talking about a book that I bought when it was like seven ninety nine when it came out. Right, that's what drove because well, my Thrawn copies are the originals. Like you know when they when they first when they first rolled out, or at least maybe even the second printings, I would say. But but and and so are my other copies of some of the Star Wars books. But though, but for whatever reason, I Jedi Search just just I didn't get it. So anyway, going back to going back to Dune, you called. You called Moadib, which is a, a fun name, or Paul uh, Atreides, the the hero of the story. You called him a messiah figure, and you could argue that anybody in a story can be a Christ figure. Are they kind to people? Then they're a Christ figure. Are did they die then for somebody? Then they are a Christ figure. You know, and like you can have different components across a story, but the third the dune is split into three books within the first within the first story within the first complete story of the um arrakis world books and the third one is called the prophet and so yes. so is is paul a prophet or is he a christ figure or is he both discuss i see i feel like in this book even before I read the book, just hearing tidbits about it, I totally got like a Middle East metaphor vibe off this entire thing. Like huge. I always thought just just I, the I thought, desert like, in of itself. The desert using words like they talk about the 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 Butlerian jihad, and you know they 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 mix in a you know they, they mix in some Arabic words. You know I totally got like uh, a Muhammad vibe off of Paul. You know. You know, leading this desert 
culture in some sort of holy war as he brings like this new message. It, it I felt like Spice was almost like oil because it was like the 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 resource that they needed to make the world run that they can control because they're the ones that live in the desert where you get spice. I I mean I feel like you you can take this and sh- you can interpret this in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But that was and I feel like it's much deeper than that, but that was surface level. I got that just from watching the movie and reading some synopses. And then I, I read the book and it's it's deeper than that. That was a very superficial view of it, I thought from my initial from my initial viewing of it. But I think it's still there because this book came out in like 1963. So stuff was happening that could have informed Frank Herbert's original writing of the novel that I felt makes what I'm what I felt reading the book not too terribly off. Because I also got, you know, in the 60s and 70s, like just in America, you got a lot of cults. Oh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I felt like this really sort of also spoke to sort of that almost pre-hippie culture that can lead into like a drink the Kool-Aid kind of cult uh, mentality. And I and reading up a little bit on Frank Herbert's life, I could kind of see him if he wasn't into that kind of thing. I could see him living in a world where he's experiencing that. And I feel like he folded that into the book. Yeah, I would. Because, I would agree with it. Keep going. Go, go. Keep going. Well, because I feel like Paul. The interesting thing about Paul is that he knows what he's doing, and he's also seeing the dangers of what he's doing. But he thinks that the ends justify the means, and so while he has reservations about what he does or what people believe about him or what his mission may be. He's still willing to go through with it because he thinks overall my, my my end goal to overthrow the emperor and and ultimately get revenge for the assassination of his father is worth some morally ambiguous choices I'm making along the way. Right. Well, he, he's basically Lawrence of Arabia, right? Yes. That's if you if you were to really pinpoint who if you were to pinpoint some maybe historical influences I, I would call Paul Lawrence of Arabia, you know, because you have this this guy who belongs to a, a a different culture, ends up in ends ends up in a foreign land in a different country, a desert country, no less, and he kind of designs this revolt and you know, employs you know, guerrilla tactics and like and he's really smart and like all this different stuff and he's a outside hero to the to the natives of Arrakis. And so I think you're absolutely right. And especially when it goes back to the, the cult thing, Dune was basically like, everyone, the environment is important. Rally around Dune. You know, this was really a big deal in the 1970s. And Frank Herbert kind of rode that wave. You know, he's like, yes, this is important everyone. Read my next book. Um <laughs> But it was also, but but he was very, uh, he was very environment. I mean, he was an early environmentalist, like the like. So he did have like legitimate skin in the game. Like that right. was actually something. I mean, you you read you read this man's bio, and he's like super super damn smart. I mean, 
it was like psychology, environmental, like, like the man got degrees in like everything. Yeah, if you, and, I, I would recommend, I would highly recommend the afterward of. Um, I'm not sure the edition I have. Um, the edition I have, there's an afterward written by his son, which is Brian. Brian, yes. yeah, which is very enlightening, very very enlightening, uh, which covers in some ways all manners of sins. You were even talking about the religion, the and it's it the religions of of dune and it says that among other things the dune universe was a spiritual melting pot a far future in which religious beliefs have combined into interesting forms discerning readers will recognize buddhism sufi mysticism and other islamic belief systems catholicism protestantism judaism and hinduism in san francisco bay area my father even knew zen master alan watts who lived on an old ferry boat dad drew on a variety of religious influences without adhering to any one of them Consistent with this, the stated purpose of the Commission of Ecumenical Translators, as described in the appendix in Dune, was to eliminate arguments between religions. Each of them claimed to have been the one and only revelation. And so, even though even though Herbert grew up Irish Catholic, and you know what, if you know you grow up Irish Catholic, you can't get out of that. You're just in it forever. Um, and so, it's in your blood. Um, too much guilt. Um, trying to leave. I speak from experience here. Not trying to leave, but you know, just you know, the guilt is the guilt is very real. Um, it's, it's not a joke. No one joke about it except for me. Um, anyway, uh, he he. Um, I'm trying to think. You talk about like cult mentality and whatever else, but it's also like that idea of blending all these religions together, and, and that's very 70s, you know, this idea of like, it's the commune, and hey man, you be- it's all peace and love, you gotta believe the good, and you gotta believe the good, and it's all, like, it, it's very hippie in, in its own way, and he basically just says that, yeah, the, like, the world, the world realized that you can only get so far on different beliefs, so he merged them all together, which is interesting because the whole book, the conflict of the book is set up on different beliefs. I believe that I have the right to rule. I, you believe that I am the prophet, you know, and, and, and what people and the, uh, the lengths people will go to for what they believe in. And, and yet you live in this world where everyone's like, and then you just merge all the religions together. Right. But it's also just, Thinking about the, what what you believe, because that's what makes these characters so compelling, is they each have, while they're almost working towards a common goal, everyone has their own reason. It's like no, it's like everyone's in this one cause, but they're all in it for their own cause. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, because you've got like, you've got like Gurney, which incredibly interesting character in, in my opinion who um, you know disappears for a huge chunk of the book yeah but when and, he comes and, back he's very interesting he's very interesting but you know you have gurney who who really is on like this revenge kick and you've got lady jessica who goes through a journey and it's like Boy, who are she? you yeah it's true um, who are i mean i do, almost don't even recognize her by the end of the book Based on who she was at the beginning of the book, and of course, in my mind, I'm just, I like I'm just thinking, man, Rebe- Rebecca Ferguson's going to kill this, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I usually don't. I don't always look up like character the actors who play these characters, but I was like, well, I'm going to see the movie, so I might as well like get these faces in my mind now. And man, Rebecca Ferguson is just going to she's just going to slay it. She's going to be amazing because let's. Add, uh, I want to 
want to kind of wrap up this conversation a little bit. Um, so I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you tell me the first one that you first answer that comes to your head. Okay. All right. A favorite theme. Ooh. Uh, this was a line from the book. Each man is a little war. Oh, good line. Really good line. It's good and a good theme. Favorite character. Uh, Lady Jessica. Yep. Also my also my favorite character. She was just the best. And uh, favorite character name. So it doesn't have to be your favorite character, but who has the best name? Okay. Ooh. I'm going to have to go with um, Padish Emperor Shaddam IV. That was, that was like a serious – I mean, if we're going to talk about a royal name, I just thought that that one – that one he worked – Herbert worked on that one. Yep, I agree. Um, I'm going to go with Duncan Idaho for that one because <laughs> Duncan Idaho is a great name. It is a great name. It's like he, it tells you everything you need to know about him in his name. Like, that dude is super cool. And he's not even in it, like, ever. I know! But... I was super shocked by that, to be honest with you. I know, me too. I, I was shocked by it, too. And uh, finally, favorite, favorite moment? Um, My favorite moment... Oh, it has to be when Lady Jessica drank the water of life... And the trip that happened. Mm. I mean, I don't want to give it away for anyone who hasn't read the book, but that entire sequence of her drinking the water of life with the old Reverend Mother and what the consequences that has was just a mind-blowing read for me. Yeah, you know, that was actually almost my favorite moment. I, I came That came really close for me because it is just... It's cool. It's just a it's 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 almost like the Stargate sequence in 2001: A Space Odyssey. If you want to talk yes. about Arthur C. Clarke, um, it, it's it's it has that vibe to it. It's very cool. It's like uh, almost like you know you always see like Luke or Anakin like or whatever. Like I have visions of the future or whatever in Star Wars, and it's like, but what do they look like? And I feel like that's kind of what it is, but. Anyway, um, I guess you see Anakin's, but whatever. Um, I'm going to say when Paul is in a when Paul is in the um, fight with oh now whose name I I can't remember for the life of me. Um, Which fight? Because Paul has a few of those. It's the one on one when he's with the Freeman. Oh, uh, 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 Jamis or Jamis? Jamis, yeah. When he's in the fight with Jamis, and it's like. Uh, when he's almost like proud of himself for taking a life, and Jessica's and Jessica like just smacks him down right away. He's like, because she's like, oh no, he can't have a taste for blood, and she's just like, no, and she's like, you know, whatever she says, you know, like she says, how does it feel to be a killer? That's it. That's what she says. See, and just cuts him down like right there. Damn, glad you have a good memory because I read this a couple of weeks ago, so. Um, so it's fading from my mind a little bit. But how does it feel? And he just like it just deflates him. So that was a, it's a it's a really cool cool moment, but but Scott that wrap that wraps up um, that wraps up our, our episode together of read up. How do you feel? 
the spice must flow. The spice must flow. That's so good. Yeah. Well, this was spicy. Scott, thanks for so much for thanks. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. This was a pleasure. And next time, if you want to come back, you're more than when I finish up the Thrawn trilogy, you are more than welcome to come talk about that. Oh, my God. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll be looking at that. We'll be looking at that fairly soon then. So uh, you can you can follow the Read Up Podcast at Read Up Podcast on Twitter. And you can, of course, check out all other Thought Bubble Audio shows at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com. And you can follow myself at TimothyPG13 on Twitter. And Scott, where can the people find you? You can follow me personally at ScottDC27, and you can also follow my show, The Suicide Squadcast, at Suicide Squadcast, and you can follow the entire network of shows where we talk about anything and everything DC Comics-related at SuicideSquadcast.com. Well, thanks you so much, Scott. It has been an absolute delight talking to you, and we hope to see you back again soon. You have been listening to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. You can find Read Up on Twitter at Read Up Podcast and the host at TimothyPG13. Rate and review Read Up on iTunes and listen on any place podcasts can be found. Head over to patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio to support all of your favorite Thought Bubble Audio podcasts. You can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio programs at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Until next time, have a good read.